Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to the 66th Psalm. And in the 66th Psalm, I'm going to actually start close to the end where it says in verse 16, it says, come and hear. Say, come and hear. Say, come and hear. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I, I, I like it because it's kind of like what Kathy just did just a second ago. She was saying, let me tell you what the Lord did for me, how he delivered me from drugs, how he delivered me from abusive relationship, and how he didn't just deliver me, but he restored to me and gave me a family and, and, and covered my finances and, and blessed me beyond measure. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. Say, he has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. What I love this is the psalmist. This is a song he's singing, and it starts out this, this verse, if you will. He's saying, come and hear. Come and hear what? Come and hear that God is listening. Did, don't miss that. I want you to listen to me, and I want to tell you something. God is listening to you. Come and listen. God is listening. And we see that if you back up, and this is what just wrecks me, back up a little bit here in verse 5. It says, come and see what God has done. Say, come and see. And that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. I'm going to preach on come and see. I had a friend who asked me, they said, so what are you going to be preaching on this Sunday? I said, come and see. And they said, well, I live three hours away. I can't. And I didn't, I didn't elaborate at all. They'll find out when they listen to the podcast. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards me, towards the children of man. And it gives a testament that he turned the sea to dry land. They passed through the river on foot. They, uh, there did we rejoice him, who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. And what I love about this one, it says, come and see what God has done. And then it's just testimonies of all the things that God has done. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. And when we look down at the bottom, it says this, that he's watching the nations. So come and hear, hear what? He's listening to you. Let me tell you something. He's listening to you. Like when you feel like you're not being heard, he's listening. When you feel like no one else is around, he's listening. When we say come and see what God has done, it says he watches the nations, come and see what? Come and see that he's watching you. He knows exactly where you are, exactly what you're doing. Now, this is not like a, a Santa Claus kind of, 
you know, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, which is just creepy. It's the creepiest tradition ever. This is not that. This is the creator of the universe, and the psalmist is inviting you to come and see what he has done. And if you look at him long enough, what you'll find out is he's looking right back at you, and he's watching you because he knows you. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head because he loves you, because he made you come and see who my God is. I have a few things here written in my notes today if you let me read them. So when we listen for him, we find that he's been listening to us the entire time. When we look at him, we find he is looking right back at us. And I can't help but imagine like, like a parent looks at their newborn baby when that baby finally locks eyes with the parent to realize my mom has been watching me this entire time. I'll tell you this morning, not just anyone has the cry in their heart to come and see. Because you do realize this is what the psalmist is saying. He's talking about how great and awesome his God is, that he can't hardly contain it. So he's saying, you need to come and see. He is so good. You need to come and see, and not just anyone has the cry of the heart to come and see. The cry to come and see is... A cry that is unique to someone who has encountered the one who truly sees you. It's not simply, yeah, I saw him once, or I've heard about him, or I know that Bible story, or yeah, I go to church, or I'm part of a small group. The cry to come and see is the cry of a heart that has been ignited by a flame, having locked eyes with the creator of the universe, and having been so profoundly marked by such a simple experience, it completely shifts everything you thought you ever knew, and your heart is ignited to the place where it is like a fire shut up in your bones, and the only thing you can think of to say is to come and see. Come and see what my God has done. Come and see what my God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. He has turned the sea into dry land. They have passed through the river on foot. Come and see what God has done. He has set free a nation of slaves and brought them to a place of promise and blessing. Come and see what God has done. You might say, he's healed me when I was sick and in bed and I was running a high fever and I feel like I wasn't going to make it. Come and see what God has done. He, he put the check in the mail and it came right when I needed it or I walked up to pay that hospital bill and they said $44,000 gone, paid. Come and see what God has done. He healed me when I was while I was sick. He shrunk the tumor. He healed me of cancer. He broke the fever. Come and see what God has done. He's delivered me from alcohol. He's de delivered me from addiction. He's delivered me from pornography. Come and see what God has done. And when I love this verse, this come and see, this word come is a command. 
Like when the psalmist was writing this, he's not just saying, hey, come here. It's, it's, it's kind of like when you're trying to get ready for church in the morning and your kids are looking for their shoes and it's time to be going out the door. And you say, come on. Get in the car. Every parent in the room is just nodding right now. They're like, yes, we know. It's not unique to any of us. I'm sure if we pulled believers around the world, they'd all be like, yes, absolutely. The psalmist is saying, come on. Come. Like, this this has so moved me that I'm not even asking. I'm telling you, come on. Come and see. And this word see, it means to see or observe, which is like, okay, Pastor Drew, that's pretty obvious. But it means to give attention to, to perceive with the intent to understand, to be acquainted with by experiencing. It's not just see as in, oh, I I see that light over there, and then move on. How many know you can hear things without actually hearing them, and you can see things without actually seeing them? This is, this is what the psalmist is saying. He's like, don't just look at it. Look at it. Come and see. It's like when Kathy's up here giving her testimony a while ago. It's not, don't just listen to it. Like, listen to it with your heart. Come and see what God has done. Go with me over to John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, I'm going to read part of this. We're going to start in verse 4. It says, And he, that's Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So it was about noon. It was the middle of the day, the heat of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And I want to pause right here. Because what most theologians will tell us that She came in the middle of the day when most women would come in the morning, in the cool of the day, and she came alone. When in that culture in that time, it was common for the women to go together as kind of a social event, to go out in the morning and draw the water you would need for the day and then go back to the town. So she's coming in the middle of the day alone. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. So Jesus shouldn't even be talking to this woman because she was a Samaritan. And she was a woman. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you 
living water. You know what he's saying here? He's like, you don't really see me. You see me, but you don't see me. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. She doesn't get it. She's not getting it. She's seeing, but she's not seeing. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband to come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now was not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You don't say. And then she wants to have a religious debate with Jesus. A religious debate of how they should worship and where they should worship. And here's the summary of what Jesus has to say. He says that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. He says, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And the woman responds in verse 25. If you skip down there, she says, well, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And this is what he says to her. I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. Can I tell you, this was the moment that she saw him. Before it was just a religious discussion. But for some reason when he said, who you're talking about, that's who I am. It clicked. It resonated. She had a Kairos moment where she, before she was seeing him, but now she is seeing. It says the disciples come back, and they were marveling because he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? They're too scared. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. She, she left her water jar. She left it. We, we see this in Scripture time after time. And then people leave behind the thing they thought they needed. She was in a hurry. A hurry to do what? And that, this is what's so crazy to me. Jesus, he didn't tell her to go anywhere. He didn't say, hey, you really, you really need to go on mission. You really should be telling people about me. You, you, really, you really need to get your ear in gear and start evangelizing. He just said, I am he. You know what the woman realized? She realized that she had been seen. You know how I know? Go call your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five, and the guy you're with right now 
isn't your husband. What's Jesus saying to her? I see you. I see you. And what does she say? What does she say? She runs into town. She tells the people. And in verse 29, she says, come see a man who has told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town, and they were coming to him. She said, come and see. And can I tell you, in the original language, it's the same words that the psalmist used back in Psalm 66. It's come and see. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you need to come and see this man who saw me, who told me everything I ever did. He saw me. Ladies and gentlemen, when you have an encounter with Christ and you realize that you've truly been seen, which, can I tell you, can be scary for us. It's scary to think that the God of the universe truly sees us. He sees all of our muck and our mire and our mistakes. And we want to hide it. We want to cover it up. The beginning of John, it tells us that he is light. And what we have to know is that to be truly seen, although terrifying, is to be truly a person who finds freedom. So as this woman is exposed, as this woman is seen, she realizes she's having an encounter with the king of kings, with the I am, with the Messiah, and she has one response. I need to run back into town and tell everyone. She left her jar. She left everything because now she had found living water. Like she had truly found it. And her response is, come and see. And you know what? They came and saw, which is crazy to me. Here's this woman who's had all these husbands and everything, and she's like, I found the Messiah. Would you listen to her? But something changed in her. Something had shifted in her. Like as they're looking at her, they look in her eyes, and they realize she's seen something. What is it that she's seen? And so the whole town goes out to see what she saw. And it tells us in verse 42, they said to the woman at the end, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. We saw. Do you realize if you can actually see Jesus, if you can actually get a hold of him this morning, It'll put a cry in your heart. Well, you can't help but tell people, come and see what God has done. Come and see to realize that I have truly been seen. Go with me to John chapter 1. It's just a few pages over. And in verse 43, this is Jesus. He's calling some disciples. And in verse 43, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. Everyone say Philip. Philip. And he said to Philip, follow me. It's pretty simple, right? So guess what Philip does? He's, he's going to follow him. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of of Andrew and Peter, and then Philip does something. He does something that's pretty similar to what the woman at the well just did. 
He goes and finds his buddy Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It, Nazareth is just a little town out in the middle of nowhere. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It, it'd be a lot like, no, no offense, but Green Forest, right? Can anything good come out of We're just a little town in the middle of the Ozarks. No one knows about us. Even our name isn't like super unique. Green Forest. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere in the Ozarks is green forest. Can anything good come out of green forest? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know what Philip says to him? Come and see. Come and see. I could tell you about it, but what if you just came and saw for yourself? And if you've been following, you realize that any time you come and see, you're going to realize that you've been seen the entire time. Just like the woman in the well. Come and see. She'd been seen the entire time. Guess what Nathaniel's about to find out? That he's been seen the entire time. It says, just, it says Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, rabbi or teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I, I don't know this morning what was happening underneath that fig tree. It doesn't tell us. But whatever was happening in Nathaniel's heart that day, as he was sitting under the, the fig tree, it was something significant and powerful to the place when he walked up to Jesus and Jesus said, here's a man where there's no deceit, a true Israelite. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? He said, I saw you. I saw you under that fig tree, and it broke Nathaniel. It broke him right there, the same way it broke the woman at the well. Ladies and gentlemen, when we call people to come and see Jesus, what we're telling them is you have been truly seen. And this morning, what we have to realize is that we have to find him. We have to see Jesus. And it can't just be a religious thing that we do. Sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes it's, man, I'm just going to get up and go to church today because it's the thing that I do, just to be faithful. And that's good. But we have to get to a place where we have to go beyond just seeing him when we come to church on Sunday to trying to see him. And realize as we see him, we are truly being seen ourselves. And you know what I love about this? Is Jesus like, yeah, you've been seen, but you ain't seen nothing yet. You think this is good? 
you, you don't know the half of it. You think this is great? <laughs> Get ready. Get ready. I love it because what Jesus always wants to do is he wants to always bring us into greater revelation. We're not just coming to church on Sunday to perform our religious duty. We're coming here because the Lord, of the God of the universe, wants to make himself known. God wants to be known. And you know, the more we know him, the more we find freedom. So here's the God of the universe saying, I'm going to show myself to you, but just wait. There's so much more. I'm reminded of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? He was a, a wee little man. A wee little man was he. For those of you who don't know, that's a song we used to sing in church. Not, not in worship service. Children's church. Wouldn't that be weird? Zacchaeus was a... No, it's be a weird worship song. Everybody lift your hands. And a wee little man was he. He climbs up in a tree because he wants to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. And what happens is as Jesus is coming along, Jesus sees him. And he's not, neither one of them are content with that. Jesus isn't content just like, oh, yeah, you saw me. Good job. No. He said, come down out of that tree because you're going to get a greater revelation of me today. You're not just going to see me today. You're going to see me. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to eat with you, Zacchaeus. And it changes Zacchaeus' life completely. He was a thief and a robber, and he did it legally. That's a, not a sermon I'll preach in this church today. Um, he was a thief and a robber, and he knew it. And when he truly saw Jesus, he realized that he had to give back all the things he had stolen. And he did. I'm reminded of the men who were on their way to Emmaus after Jesus had died on the cross. And they didn't know he had risen from the dead yet. And they're walking along. And Jesus walks up and he starts walking with them. And they're seeing him, but they don't know it's him. They're seeing him, but they're not seeing him. And as they walk along, Jesus starts to tell them about himself all through the Old Testament and t teaching them about him. And then when they get where they're staying, it says that their eyes were opened and they realized who they've been walking with the entire time. And it so excited them that they ran the 8 to 10 miles back to Jerusalem to tell somebody that they had seen Jesus. Jesus didn't have to tell him, now go back to Jerusalem. Just like Jesus didn't have to tell the woman at the well, now go into town. There's this thing that happens when you see Jesus. There's a cry in your heart where you have to tell others, come and see what God has done. I'm reminded of blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting there in the crowd. He hears that Jesus is passing by. And he starts to cry out. He starts to, uh, where's team? Can you guys come on up? He starts to cry out. He screams, son of David, have mercy on me. He's been blind. He can't, he can't see. 
And y'all, I don't think it was just a son of David, have mercy on me. He has heard about Jesus. He has heard that this, this, this man has miraculously healed the sick. And he's feeling like this is his only shot. And he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone tells him to shut up. Be quiet. He cries all the louder, have mercy on me. What is he saying? He says, Jesus, see me. See me. I'm desperate to be seen. Isn't that us sometimes? The hardest, darkest moments of our life, we just want to be seen. Everyone tells us to shut up. Hey, man, sometimes life gives you lemons. You just need to make lemonade. Find the silver lining. Shut up. People don't want to deal with our problems. Body of Christ, that's why we have to be different. People are afraid of problems. They're like, oh, oh, you're going through something hard? Okay, just let me. I'll pray for you. And the reality is when we're when our deepest and darkest moments, a cry of our heart is just somebody see me. Somebody see me. I've hurt. Somebody see me. And blind Bartimaeus is crying out, somebody see me. Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked this really weird question to a blind guy. He says, what do you want? He says, bring him to me. They bring him to me. He says, what do you want? Now, guys, come on. He's blind. What do you think he wants? I, I really believe Jesus was asking because the guy could have asked for other things. And he asked to see. So Jesus healed his sight. But what gets me is, and that, that's where you find it over in Mark 10, is, is what would I do if Jesus asked me what I wanted? Like if I truly was seen by the Lord and he said, what do you want? What would I answer? Earlier in John, verse 35, it says that John is stand there with his disciples and he looks up and Jesus walks by and John says this he says behold the Lamb of God you know what he's saying here that word behold he's saying look look there's the Lamb of God there's the Savior of the world look at him stop looking at me look at him and so his disciples take him up on it. The two disciples heard John say this, and so they followed Jesus because John told them to. He said, look at him. And y'all, all I can say is, as a ministry here at Forerunner House of Prayer, we all, every ministry, can, it has to be the cry of our hearts, look at him, know him, 
look at him. It can't be look at us. It can't be look at me. It can't be look at where I serve. Every ministry in this place has to be look at the Lamb of God. That'll ruin your ministry, by the way. Shrank John's down. But what did John say? I must decrease. He must increase. What if pointing people to Jesus actually hurts the attendance of our church? Are we willing to do that? Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Like that's the question, right? What would you do if Jesus asked you, what do you want? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? That's a big question. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you abiding? You know what he said to them? He said, come and see. There's an invitation this morning from the God of the universe, and it's this. It's to come and see. Will you stand with me? Not, not come and see F-Hop. Not come and see a really talented worship team that we bragged on so much this morning. Like, not even come and see that God is moving. Come and see God. Come and see what he has done. If you'd just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I'm reminded of a moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross and there's Mary, his mom, standing there in front of the cross. And he says, see your son. See the man on the cross who's hanging there, taking all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our dirt, our muck, my mess and mistakes. see as they lay that man in the tomb dead and those disciples all hope is gone but then Jesus raises from the dead and he appears to his disciples and man we give 
we give Thomas a hard time because he says, no, I, I need to see him for myself because he wasn't there when Jesus appeared. He's like, I, I just need the same experience that you guys had. And then the Jesus appears again, and there he is standing in front of Thomas. And Thomas sees him. And it changes these men, these cowardly men hiding. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And seeing Jesus so transforms them that the reason we're standing in this room today is because they saw Jesus. And I can't help but think of the Wall family, who's many of them standing on this stage today because Kathy saw Jesus. So I'm asking, I think, three things today. First, I'm asking you, if you've never known Jesus, if you've never made him Lord and Savior of your life, this morning, I'm saying, come and see. And this morning, if you're one of those who said, man, I, I, I have given my life to Jesus, then I'm saying this morning, look at him again so that the cry of your heart becomes, come and see. Where that cry overwhelms you in every way and everything you do that you can't help but tell people of the goodness of your Jesus. Come and see. And the third thing this morning is if Jesus looked at you and asked you, what do you want? What are you looking for? Well, how do you respond to that? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.